Hello and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast based out of Perth, Western Australia. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jay. Howdy. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Today's topic, Firefly, the space western TV series created by writer and director Joss Whedon. If you haven't watched Firefly but you want to, go and watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be discussing spoilers. Oh yeah, we will. How did you first see Firefly? Was it before or after the movie Serenity? It was after the film. I uh, I hadn't watched the film yet, but it had come out, and I think it had come out on DVD. It wasn't even in the cinema anymore. And I knew you were supposed to watch the TV show first, and I just happened to catch the first episode on Foxtel before uh, watching it on DVD. Uh, so I watched the first episode and saw the introduction of River and Simon. Watched the film and I'm like, oh, this works perfectly. And then I enjoyed the film so much, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole season. And then I watched the season in the air order rather than the correct order. And then watched the film and enjoyed it even more. And then I just started like shoving it down everyone I know's throat. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that did it wrong then. Yeah. Because I, I don't know how this passed me by. Big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer at the time. I watched Angels. I was following the work of Joss Whedon, but missed Firefly completely. And then when Serenity came out as a movie, even then, I didn't know it was a continuation featuring the same characters. So me and a mate went to watch it at the cinema. Enjoyed the movie. But we did say spoilers, and I guess for both Firefly and the movie Serenity, there's a lot of deaths in that movie. Yeah. And the audience around us, and it was a packed screening, were reacting big to these deaths and me and mate are looking at each other like what's going on like we're only like so far into a movie how are these people so emotionally involved with these characters yeah well they'd obviously seen the tv series yeah and i remember when firefly started i was already watching angel and buffy and everyone's like oh and you should check out firefly i didn't know in australia where it was airing or how to watch it and I, so i just thought ah, i can't be that good i mean like a space western, that sounds stupid to me. I'll, I'll get around to it one day. I mean, you've literally described Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> a space western. How could that work? Yeah, it just, just doesn't sound like something that would create a huge following to me. I don't know. Just to set the stage then, so the plot for Firefly, it's set 500 years in the future. A renegade crew aboard a small spacecraft tries to survive as they travel the unknown parts of the galaxy and evade warring factions as well as authority agents out to get them. Yeah. So they're always looking to do the wrong thing for the right reasons. They're they're doing jobs to survive. And I found, going back and watching the TV series, I did enjoy it, but I always struggled with knowing the end point. Like, Serenity is where they're going, and you're fully... You're getting to see River realised. Yeah. And then you feel like you're going, you're taking so many steps backwards with the TV series when you get the introduction to her character. Yeah. And it's one of the big tragedies with the property, unfortunately, is they had planned out a lot of things. One thing like that was in the film again was the, the revelation of what the Reavers are and how they came to be. Like, you get introduced to them right in the very first episode. But it's more but hearing it's about them. Yeah, so you hear about them in the movie. That's what I mean. It's like the movie's fully realised. Yeah. You're seeing the world, whereas the TV series, which we are here to primarily talk about, Yeah, you're just hearing about the world. Yeah, and they had so many 
plot threads and storylines planned out for every character. They had a storyline for Inara on her relationship with Mal. Uh, there was supposed to be things in the background, which is why she felt like she should never like start a relationship with him, despite the fact that everyone could tell they were both into each other. You had uh, a whole storyline around Jane, obviously the initial... Uh, betrayal and that stuff and finally bringing his character around to a normal part of the crew and even the shepherd like there's clearly a big backstory for him which until you read the graphic novel a shepherd's tale you never get any of it all it's all just hinted at like he clearly was something before he was a priest I've not actually read that graphic novel, so what do you find out in there that fleshes it out? I haven't read it either I'm going to read it now so I've got the now, Boom have the comic license. They've released all of the previous stuff into a single volume. But I believe he used to be exactly what uh, Chiwete Iafor is in the film, an operative. Well done on pronouncing his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I took some practice. So we can start then. We can go through the characters. You've already mentioned uh, Captain Mal or Mal Reynolds. Yeah. Played by Nathan Fillion. Yes. On the big screen, and again, talking about Firefly, but Serenity's always going to come up. You don't see him playing the lead. And he's so good at it. Yeah. You see him as the lead on TV. You've got Castle, and I think he's got a cop show at the moment. But the guy has got so much charisma, and he can kind of do it all. He's got a Harrison Ford quality about him. Yeah, he does. And I think it's this is the show that established him for for fans and for nerds and why they're always so vocal whenever they're going to do an adaptation of something. He's usually one of the first names that gets brought up by fans of like, oh, you should totally get Nathan Fillion. But he just doesn't happen. No, no. Uh, he went straight from almost, he went from this, bounced around and did a couple of other things which people loved. And then once he ended up on Castle, it was... His schedule on that was so all-consuming and it was such a big moneymaker for ABC. Unfortunately, it squashed any chance of him getting free to do maybe a larger property like on the big screen. Do you know where I first saw him? Two, two guys, guys, a girl, and a pizza, pizza place. place. <laughs> Good show. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's two Canadians. Yeah. Both played Green Lantern. That is a good point because, yeah, Fillion is the animated Green Lantern in the ongoing movies, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it wasn't Whedon's first pick to play Mal. Was his first pick Alan Tudyk? No, it was Nicholas Brendan. Oh. Xander from yeah. Buffy. Yeah, I can actually see it. There's elements of his character in later seasons, maybe. Yeah. But he just owns this role completely. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Nicholas Brendan from Buffy didn't start off as an actor. He was actually a... Uh, a college level baseball player oh right I did not know that and uh, he took an injury as a lot of college people do unfortunately which is why the entire college system for athletes in the US is a travesty but that's a whole other thing and he had to fall back on acting while still in college because it's the only other thing he had any interest in and just happened to be picked up by Joss Whedon for Buffy he is great in Buffy but he very much is the Chandler Bing of the Buffy verse, he is. He? he absolutely so is. I don't. I mean, he's he's really good with the quips, but I think Fillion's bringing so much strength and heart to the to to this part. Like, if you're a part of his crew, you know he's going to look after 
look after you if your father was poor. I, yeah. I always liked that about him. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a paternal uh, nature to him, and I, I unfortunately Nicholas Brendan hasn't been in. I'm sure he's been in something, but nothing I've seen since. I can't Buffy. think of anything else that he's done. Nor can I, and I don't, I'm, I'd be. I don't think he would have had the range, or at least not as as effective as Nathan Fillion is. I mean, he really is the anchor of the entire show. You know, maybe one day we will do Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because I think you were, we were talking about maybe tackling that and then looking at the amount of seasons, and then it was you that suggested Firefly instead. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll go back and we'll look at what else Nicholas Brendan's actually done, because there's got to be something else that he's yeah. been working on. I always liked how Mal refers to the ship as the boat. Yeah. I like that. And I know that's a thing, because it's a ship, it's your boat, but it's in space. Yeah. And I love... Uh, the speech patterns for the show. It's it's very much a... It's supposed to sound old-timey and also simple, but the dialogue uh, and the, the, the beats of how people respond to each other is actually way more complicated and it sounds more proper. So saying complicated, every now and then they'll just start speaking Japanese with no subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's actually <laughs> Mandarin. I stand corrected. And that... Is every time they curse, it's in Mandarin. Is because... it only when they're cursing? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, every, they'll throw in other words as well, but that was their way of getting around the senses instead of actually cursing and getting a beep. But I heard something, it was, a, it was to do with like where Earth was or where the people of Earth were in the future and that the structure of like countries had changed and, and that's where the Mandarin come into it. Yeah, and that was that was their, their smart reason is why there's uh, so much Oriental influences. Like on the on the the dining table, there's a rice steamer, uh, and a lot of the materials and a lot of the people they interact is there's an Oriental influence of clothing and that sort of stuff. It also just happened to be like an epiphany of we can curse in their language, and the senses will never know, and especially. If they're like me and think it's Japanese anyway. So yeah. No <laughs> idea. No idea. Yeah. We've got Zoe Washburn played by Gina Torres. And she's another DC animated actor, isn't she? She's voiced Wonder Woman yeah. a number of times. Well, she plays the second in command on board the ship. She's a loyal wartime friend of Reynolds and Wash's wife. Yeah. And uh, she's also the authority on the ship. Like, because of Mao's paternal nature people might question him but she's her loyalty to him from their time in the war is unwavering and she's the uh she's the tactical one she's the one who's proficient in hand-to-hand and when uh, whenever he snaps i'm like this is what we're doing everyone always steps in line but she never wavers and you know she'll bring up her own concerns in private but she's also very much the like, I'm going to get this done. And everyone just, okay, oh, it's always doing it, so don't get in the way. Yeah, I really like her as a character. In fact, all, you know, the whole cast, you know, we're going to work his way through all of them. They just work so well together. Like, different yeah. personalities, and it all just works. But we've got her husband, played by Alan Tudyk, Coburn Wash, Washburn. Yeah. I guess that's where his nickname Wash comes from. Yeah. I'd seen, I think, outside of Fillion... Tudyk was the other actor that I'd seen all over the place. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those faces that popped up from time to time. But he's in the movie, the English version, Death at a Funeral. Yeah. 
he is absolutely hilarious in that. But he's got to be one of the, the, out of all the cast of Firefly, the one that works as frequent today as ever. Yeah, he's in everything. Often it'll be his voice, but regardless, and he's always attached to big properties. He's just been announced that he's playing the parrot in Aladdin. Yeah, and he was K2SO in Rogue One. He was the robot in iRobot. Uh, He's, like I said, he's definitely been the most consistent with acting. Like Nathan Fillion scored big long-time role on Castle and other things. Gina Torres was... The, one of the main actors on the show Suits, which has just wrapped up its final season. So she's had really consistent work, but neither of them have had anywhere near the amount of work of Alan and I think Yeah, I think it's like the volume and the different properties. Like when DC made Powerless, you know, the, the sitcom, the comedy. Yeah. And it, it, didn't, it wasn't a success. It, it was okay in parts, but he was in that. He played the cousin of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But then he jumped to another DC property as the villain, Mr. Nobody, in Doom Patrol. Yeah. So you could just keep reeling off things that he's actively working in today. But what I did notice, him more than anybody, between Firefly and Serenity, you see him age. Yeah. And I think maybe yeah. he was a little bit older than the other actors to begin with in Firefly, but you definitely see that he's aged. Like in Firefly, he's got like longer, like shaggy blonde hair, and then it's shorter. And, and especially when you're standing him alongside Nathan Fillion, who just doesn't seem to age at all. Yeah. He just looks the same. Yeah. And even Gina Torres, if you see her now and you watch the first episode of Firefly, you're like, well, she she hasn't aged a day. In fact, she may look even better somehow. As does Marina Baccarin, who plays Inara. You know what? What I was just saying about Tudic, I think she's potentially... She's close. Like, she is very active. Yeah. She's in Gotham. She's in the Deadpool movies. Yeah, before that, she was in Homeland. Before that, she, she was, was in V. V, which was, she was the main villain. So I think we're, we're doing all these, you know, like we mentioned Tudyk and Baccarin. Like, she's in all the things we watch. Like, they're yeah. very, it's very pop culture orientated what they're, what they're being cast in. But they just seem to suit those parts. Yeah, and I sh- believe she's also voiced Lois Lane in some DC animated oh, okay. things as well. Was it... I want to say it was the, the Superman Brainiac film. She was, oh, really? I think that was the, the very below average movie that tied into the animated series, wasn't it? Yeah, because... came out a couple of years later. Yeah, a Brainiac was voiced by... Uh, no, Corey Burton did it in the TV series. Yeah, and for the film they got John Noble... Oh, no, I'm thinking about... Okay, no, I was thinking about the tie-in movie um, for the animated series. I think that one's called Brainiac Attacks. You're talking about the later one. It might have even been called... What's it called? Brainiac? Oh, no, it's called Superman Unbound. Unbound, yeah, that's the one. That's it. John Noble, he was great in that as, yeah. as Brainiac. And Right, okay, so Baccarin, she's Lois in that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right, okay, that was a good one. We got a young Supergirl in there. That yeah, was a yeah. good movie. Yeah, so that's another thing like DC like to bring these guys in. Let's keep it Baldwin. DC. We've got Adam Baldwin as Jane Cobb. He voiced Superman in Superman Doomsday. Now, these DC animated movies, they're in the low 30s now. The first one they made was Superman Doomsday. Yeah, and I loved that when it came out. I, I, got, I immediately bought it on 
DVD. I got the Blu-ray. Yeah. And then I got that Blu-ray signed by James Masters, <laughs> who, of course, voiced Lex Luthor. Yeah. This is very Joss Whedon orientated, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They seem to go to his well more than anyone else. But um, he, when it comes to his character of Jane, Joss Whedon always said he wanted someone who was irredeemable, someone that was disturbing that you'd never had. You, like, you understood why he was there but you were always questioned why you would keep him around because he was likely to bite you as he was to attack someone else. And he goes, Adam Baldwin ruined that because despite whatever he had him do, he was just so lovable. Yeah, and, and Baldwin, he, he's great in this. I guess it's, the comparison I get with, it's like having Wolverine with the X-Men. Yeah. You know, someone that kind of colours outside the lines, but will still, every now and then, he'll play as part of a team. And that's the vibe that I got with, with Jane. But you're right, like Baldwin, even though a lot of the time he is a dick and he's out for himself, yeah. but you still like him. Yeah, there's some something about him as a person that you can't help but feel endeared to, despite the fact he's clearly a dishonourable piece of crap. <laughs> but it, it makes it interesting, though, because you mentioned that you know when Mal puts his foot down, people get in line. And for the most part, that's true. But every now and then, Jane's the one that maybe won't get in line. And they butt heads and they've got physical before. So it's interesting having that dynamic above the ship. Yeah, and they do they do a push thing fairly early on where Jane gets offered money to, to turn him in uh, and doesn't. And Mal understands that. And they even have a confrontation of like, why didn't you do it? Oh, the money wasn't good enough. Well, what happens when it is? He goes, well, that will be an interesting day. And so Mal's very aware that he's always got to keep an eye on Jane. And I love that. Yeah. It just makes for great storytelling. And there's, man, this show had so much potential and it got cancelled. Yeah. Which is why so many people and why we are talking about it today is it's, it, it almost became mythical. The, oh, what if they did more? Where were they going to go? Why didn't they ever flesh that thing out? Why are Fox so stupid to cancel what was clearly a winning property? You know, Firefly is the only TV series I have on both DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so I just throw that out there. <laughs> it's also, um, Joss Whedon owns it under the title Serenity. Uh, and all the right, fire so that, yeah because I mean the TV series was with Fox cancelled by Fox but then the movie it was universal yeah so Joss Whedon owns all of it he owns all of the characters all of the prop, all, all the intellectual properties associated with it everything but the title Firefly which of course is the name of the type of ship even though the ship's name itself is Serenity it, it's strange isn't it I mean it, it makes sense like you yeah. just explained it but I've never known this to happen before when you've got a TV series, it comes back as a movie under a different name. Yeah. But it just works. Yeah. It it feels one of the same. Yeah, and all of the comic books were released under the Serenity banner, and it's not until Boom came in, uh, or they moved the property to Boom, that it's come back as Firefly, because they've obviously worked something out. Have you read any of those? Not yet. I've uh, I've got a big backlog of stuff to read. The art on them is really great. They've got some beautiful covers. I've seen by the covers. Jock. The covers. Oh yeah. I mean, the covers are absolutely phenomenal. But this week, they've just released a one shot following 
the character played by, is it Christina Hendricks? Yeah, yeah, Saffron. Saffron, that's right. So there's a whole issue. It's like an exercise issue dedicated to her character. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that ahead of the rest, I think. <laughs> but what? it's uh, all the money from the DVD and Blu-ray sales of the TV show and the film. Fox only took like a smidgen of that. The rest all went to Joss Whedon. Well, that's good, Alice. Yeah, which is why it was so stupid of them because they lost a very lucrative property because they didn't like it, they didn't understand it, and uh, they kept pushing it in a way to get it cancelled. Uh, there was someone at the head of Fox at the time who didn't like Joss Whedon either, uh, and he pushed him to the fact that you know, it was started, it was a primetime show, got moved later, then it got moved to a different night, which was even worse for it, and then got pushed even later on the schedule, and it got to the point where Joss Whedon so angry at them because he was working like six, 14, 16 hour days on this show, burst into a, a meeting as the story goes and yelled at him about you, you're burying a show that's super popular. And on that premise, they used that to fire him. Oh, really? And cancel the show. I knew you'd know all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, I'll not research as much this time because I know that Jay's got it. Okay, that's... That's interesting, but you mentioned the order earlier. The first episode Fox actually put out was the train job, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was episode three, and then Serenity Parts one and two, which what I did read is that apparently Fox thought that it didn't paint the characters in the right light. It showed uh, one of the villains of the story getting one up over the heroes, and they thought that it was showing them to be incompetent. So that episode, they held on to it, and it eventually got put out, what was it, after the finale yeah. that aired them. But then there were three episodes on the back end that Fox actually didn't put out, and it wasn't until the show moved to another network they put the series out as, in its entirety. And depending on the network, the, re the release of episodes are in different orders. Yeah, and as the first time I watched it was in the... Uh, I knew to watch what was the actual pilot, which was movie length ahead. Although I think Fox separated it into two different episodes because it was so long. Even, so I've got the, on the Blu-ray, which I did a rewatch for, for today, it's got them in the correct order. Yeah. And it has Serenity Parts 1 and 2 as two separate episodes. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was in the, yeah, on the original air, I think it they aired it like episode 11 and 12. And let's not forget, it is the origin of these characters well, this, in those movies. This episode introduces you. So if you if you watch in the in the order that Fox put it out, it plays in you watching. This is a flashback episode. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's the um, beginning of the story. Because when you watch it in the correct order, it all makes so much more sense. And because you can see where all of the characters' storylines are starting to thread together, and you're also watching from episode. One to episode fourteen, River start piecing herself back together. Well, you've got and in the finale, that's the episode where she's there, but they can't see her, and she or she's like imagining that they're saying things that they're not seeing. Yeah, you're starting to so see. You're getting like a, a look inside her mind on how yeah. she perceives the the people around her. Yeah, and the episode right before that is when they figure out that she's actually psychic, or even. A precognitive, like she can sense slightly into the future. Um, or she's a seer, as they say on the show. 
So before we carry on, I guess, just talking about the episodes, we, we've got a couple of more cast members we've not yet touched on. We've got Kaylee Fry, played by Jewel State. Yep. And she's someone that I've seen in things, but I can't quite recall anything outside of Firefly. Yeah, she's been in a few episodes of Supernatural where she was a werewolf that... Uh, I'd remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen that. That... um. Sam meets when they're younger and lets go. And then in like six or seven seasons later, he runs into her again. She's had a child and she's had to kill in order to feed a child who's sick. Right. And again, Sam's going to let it go. And Dean puts it down. Oh, becomes, really? Yeah. And it becomes like this conflict uh, between the two. And uh, that happens in one of the many hundreds of thousands <laughs> of episodes of Supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I have seen her pop up in a lot of other things, like, like, but she's, she's so girl next door that she tends to like, just whiz by and it's not until halfway through an episode I remember, oh wait, that's Jewel State. And then, yeah, it's usually only for a few episodes at a time. I mean, she, the role of Kayla is very interesting because whenever she's around Simon, she's very much that girl next door she's you know like she's shy and all these things but then the flip side to her character is she's very capable like she's the ship's engineer yeah she's self-taught so it's interesting how they've they flip her character back and forth yeah yeah she's the she's competent she's literally the person who keeps the ship running without her that ship would never fly and we get the episode where you find out she first joined the <laughs> yeah. ship which was a good story yeah and you know because she's sleeping with the ship's mechanic and then when he, when Mal realizes that I want her instead, and then his mechanics like, why do you need two mechanics? Yeah, it was, it was a good, I don't. It was a good exchange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked that. Uh, but she also sees the good in everyone. It's she, there's this inner there's this uh this buoyance to her, um, which I think also is the reason why everyone likes her. And you do, and you and you find yourself rooting for her. And when things aren't quite going that way, you know you feel that pain and. When, yeah, it's, you get roped into this love story that's happening on the ship. Yeah, and the object of her affections, of course, is Dr. Simon Tam, Sean Mayer, who, again, I'm pretty sure he's voiced a DC character. I, th May I think it's safe to say they recently. all have at yeah. this point. You know, we'll, we're going to get onto his sister, Summer Glau. She voiced... Supergirl, I think, in Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Yes. So I think it's safe to say at some point they all have. Yeah. Um, but he is on the run from the government, who are known as the Alliance, because his sister, River, Summer Glau, uh, is ext an extremely talented uh, mentally, physically. She's what's known as a prodigy. And they've been doing illegal experiments on her. Uh, and causing a, a lot of harm. And he was a very successful, prominent doctor in one of the core worlds. He has to escape with her uh, and it just ends up on the Serenity uh, buying passage elsewhere. But things go awry. This is in the first episode, which is, again is madness why it wasn't shown first by Fox. Um, and being a doctor and them being criminals and always getting themselves into scrapes, handy to have on board being a doctor yeah exactly but he you know him and summer come from a 
No, not Summer, that's the actress. Yeah. Man River come from a privileged background and like top of his class, he was a trauma surgeon and he threw it all away to protect his sister. Yeah. There's something to that. Yeah, there is. And even after, and even by the time they're on Serenity, his entire focus is her, even at his own expense. He, it's It's frustrating when you watch because clearly he has a thing for Kaylee She's very obviously got a thing for him. Oh yeah, like, and he, like, you know, she she is not backwards in coming forwards, and he's always putting it on the back burner because he's worried about his sister, and he's always I got to check on River, I've got to make sure River's all right. He's, Which you do understand, you do, yeah. you do. But it's frustrating because you're like, you're not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. You're in space on this ship. Like, stop being such an idiot. <laughs> we're just talking about these characters. Like, they're, they're so human. Like, you know, the different traits and just everything they're experiencing is is things that we can relate to. Yet they are in space. Yeah. They are going up against these, you know, bad guys. They're yeah. playing hero. But individually, these characters are so brilliantly written. Yeah. They just, they play like real people. Yeah, they do. Um, and if you look, so if you look at something like, sci-fi oh sorry star trek and you've got the federation like the characters are their their jobs on the ship yeah and that's mainly what you see every now and then you'll see a bit of their personality outside of their roles but what i love about firefly and probably more so than star trek star wars they do feel like real people yeah yeah they they're really well realized um the least realized is at least in what we got to see is river because her entire thing is she's young, she's barely 17, and she's traumatized, so everything that comes out of her head seems like it's just babble. I feel like, though, they more than made it up to Summer Glau, because Serenity, it's her movie. It is, yeah. The other actors are in it, and they're in it a lot, yeah. but it is her movie. You know, I was talking to someone just today about the movie Serenity. They've not seen it. But they've seen the DVD cover. Oh, it's that movie about that girl with the sword. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. That is, is exactly what Serenity is. Exactly what so, it is. yeah, she does play quite a minor part. I mean, she's the reason for a lot of the story beats in Firefly. But she's very much in the background. Yeah. Until she gets her own movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, every, you know, people are after her and she creates a complication and it's how the crew are dealing with it. But she does do a, a really great job. Uh, and then the final member of the cast is the shepherd, Daryl Book, played by Ron Glass. Where did you first see him? Because I can't... He's, he's in a TV series, isn't he? As a cop. He's got a cop series, and I always forget the name uh, yeah, of it. I can see his powerful moustache. But do you know where I first found him? Teen Angel, where he played God's brother. <laughs> it was an old Disney Channel TV show about a teenager that ate... Uh, out-of-date cheeseburger and died <laughs> and then he comes back to earth to hang out with his best friend mentally <laughs> yeah okay cool well that teen angel yeah i don't get to bring it up often that's yeah. where i know ron glass from yeah and he's uh his character has an interesting backstory which is hinted at but you never get any kind of confirmation uh we know he has a lot of pull in the alliance and he knows exactly how they think he knows all the procedures but he's a man of God uh, and he's uh, very strong in his beliefs. Like even when they get in trouble, he doesn't back down from helping out. 
but he will not kill, even when people are shooting at him. But I like that he's very capable of his hands. Yeah, he is. He can fight. Yeah. Honestly, the episode where River gets freaked out, I felt her fear. <laughs> when his hair's undone? Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. Wow. And uh, yeah, and Zoe's like, you need to, you need to deal with this. Fix this. <laughs> you need to tie your hair back up. Yeah, that was that was a great scene. That was yeah. one of my favourite bit with him in Firefly, and the saddest bit with him in Serenity. He also dies. Him and Watch. Yeah, and it's it's such a gut punch. Um, but when you go back and watch Firefly, and just like with Wash, and then you watch Serenity, you feel it. Yeah, you're losing a member of the crew. Yeah, whereas when you watch just the film. Like, who's this guy? What what do I care? Like I saw him once for for two minutes. You know, my mates watching Serenity, like me, didn't have the context of watching the series first and this and they really played up the humour in the trailer for Serenity. So honest to God, a group of my mates went to watch Serenity. Do you know what they thought it was gonna be? Spaceballs. <laughs> they thought it was Spaceballs level humour. Yeah. So and because it wasn't that, they thought it was shit. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what to think of it now, but at the time, did not enjoy Serenity because it didn't live up to their expectations of Spaceballs 2, essentially. Yeah, because I, I recall everyone, like, Serenity performing well, um, obviously because the fans of Firefly, but if you asked anyone who actually went and saw it, most of the people I'd spoke to hadn't seen Firefly, and were like, that movie sucked. I'm like, well, it if you... You went in expecting a comedy. I completely see that because it's not... It's got humour in it, but like a Marvel movie... It's like a big budget season finale. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it is a gut punch. They do it. They cover... They, you actually don't get the history of how people ended up in this these bunch of worlds away from Earth until you watch the movie as well. It's in the opening sequence of the film... You get like important information. Yeah. You oh. actually see people evacuating Earth. Yeah. That's pretty crucial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we found this nearby solar system that had dozens of planets and hundreds of moons that we terraformed. Like, that was important information that yes. should have been in the show very early on. I mean, we both clearly like both Firefly and Serenity, but there's problems. <laughs> there yeah, is a lot of problems. Are. There are. And. It's, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting show and movie to talk about. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the show, we should probably get into the episodes. But before we do, what about, what do you think to the, to the costumes? Because my, my thought on it, for a lot of it, it looks like Jane shops at (laughs) H&M. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's always wearing like a, like a pattern t-shirt and yeah, a lot of them, they look as though quite, quite modern. In, in what they're wearing, you, but then you've got the long coats, and I guess that's, you know, it's the Western feel. Yeah, for for the most part, uh, Mal looks like he's shopped at a costume store for the Civil War. Yeah, I can he see has, that. He has the, the high pants, no belt. He's got the overalls. Well, he's st- and he still wears the brown coat from the war. Yeah, um, and all of his shirts and um, pants are of the same style. As I said, very Civil War. The shirts aren't form-fitting. They're quite loose, button-up shirts. So you're right. So he does pretty much wear the same thing. It's like Homer Simpson walking to his wardrobe and it's all white T-shirts, 
blue trousers. Yeah. Um, I think Jane's the one that mixes it up the most. Yeah, Jane's definitely the one who mixes it up the most. Uh, Zoe is pretty much the 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 same pants but tight uh, and a tight shirt and a tight vest that's usually leather to hold it all together something sturdier but form fitting so she's she's uh, she looks more prepared and more neat and you've got wash and he wears like baggy trousers a Hawaiian shirt Hawaiian you shirt know, pretty pretty casual yeah and his doesn't change up too much just. A different hideous Hawaiian shirt, depending on the episode. And yeah, I didn't know this, but I did read it. The Alliance officers and the soldier uniforms are Look. leftovers from Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah, I, I knew Did they look the, familiar? I, I actually, when I was watching the train job episode, when I was seeing the, the actual soldiers, I was like, man, it looks like they painted Starship Troopers uh, parts yeah. purple. They did. They did, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is what they did. But, you know, if you've got them in storage, you're not using them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes Why a lot not? of sense. They're not going to reuse them. But, yeah. Uh, and even the rest of the crew, like, Kaylee's pretty much just in a, a a jumpsuit that's... She's got the jacket part around her waist, and she's wearing a T-shirt. Inara is probably the one in the most formal robes, but they're all loose, free-flowing dresses... Uh, the fabric quality is higher, but the look's still fairly simple. I mean, what I will say, the, the costumes do work for me. Yeah. I prefer this approach to say something like, you know, Demolition Man, where they'll make <laughs> it look futuristic and they'll like add weird design choices yeah, to clothing. Yeah, like, like plastic netting or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like, you know, in uh, the future, we're just wearing this now. You're yeah. wearing netted vests. Okay, yeah, uh, cool. we all have fluoro hair for some reason. Um, the Where I found on the TV show... Uh, the costumes fell apart is usually background characters or even the background sets themselves. You can see it was an early 2000s budget because they're dressing up areas, you know, maybe even urban areas like, oh, we'll just we'll put a few shipping containers here. We'll throw a, a, a curtain over it and do this and that. Uh, and background characters look like, oh, what have we got in costume? Go down to um, the Gap or Cotton On or whatever, and find something off the rack and just throw some dirt on them. That will that will solve that problem, and and that's unfortunately a thing with the TV budget. Like I'm sure, again, TV budget early two thousands, the special effects, which have not dated well on the ship, those were super expensive at the time, and it being set in space. That's expensive. And they're on frontier worlds. Very Western. Like, literally, they're riding horses and stuff and shipping cattle. The i got to imagine that the money they for those episodes, getting livestock, also expensive. And the insurance on the actors. I do like that the ship looks like a set. Yeah. You, you can tell that they're on a soundstage. But it works for me, though. Yeah. I like that they've clearly built it and then the characters do it at different levels and they're acting on it. I'd prefer that to a green screen. So do I. Um, and what I will say about the ship set specifically is it's probably one of the most well-thought-out sets of any TV show I've ever seen. Uh, Joss Whedon's always been good at finding uh, great set designers. Even Buffy and Angel, especially as you get towards the later seasons, really nailed set design. But for this one, it was functional uh, and I actually saw a featurette of them talking about how good the set was because 
they are using nooks and crannies and uh, corridors and stairwells to go around the ship. The ship's layout makes sense, but that allowed them because of the way there's a stairwell going down. They that it looked like it was all one set, but that stairwell going down and hooking left easily made it was easy to go over to the next stage, sound stage where it starts with the bottom of that stairwell and it comes around and it's all they i think they only had three sets oh really four sets the interiors of the shuttle uh the cargo bay the area where it was the uh medical area and the whole part which was the dining room that goes up to the cockpit was all one set that was a major set oh right that's interesting yeah, you know, I always liked, unlike most sci-fi shows, when they're in space and you see the ship from, from the outside, silence. Yeah. Most shows, for dramatic effect, you'll get a big like explosion or you'll hear the repulses or you'll hear all the sound effects that the ship would make if it wasn't in space. Yeah. But I always enjoyed the quietness. And often they would use music, but you'd just see the ship just falling through space or and you just, I don't know, had a good quality to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's even today they they don't really use that. So when it does get used, it makes more impact. Like that's the big thing of the Battlestar Galactica series from the early two thousands. All the space scenes were not in not absolute silence, but almost silent with the few a few muffled noises. It just it adds so much to it by not having the sound there. You in like dead cold space yeah and they're just floating there yeah yeah that's how isolated they are so that was firefly but correct me if i'm wrong i watched it late at night i did a rewatch of serenity and he opens with the evacuation and you've got the ships like the escape pods in space and there's sound am i remembering that right you actually hear sound and because i just watched firefly it really stuck out i thought that was odd yeah, for the for the sequences in the movie, there are sound effects in space, and I think the, because they were big action sequences in space, uh, especially the the big uh, fleet battle at the end, it just takes away from what the build in Firefly. Yeah, it does. Uh, I but understand. I guess there is, you know, like you say, there's a lot more action in Serenity than the TV series. Yeah, uh, and I think for that because. They were probably aware there's going to be a lot of people watching it who hadn't watched the TV show to use that style again for the for the space battles wasn't going to work. I'm sure I haven't watched the special features yet, but I'm sure they'd probably bring that up of, yeah, we, we, uh, we edited it as if we were the show. And then when we did test audiences, there was negative feedback of, why can't I hear the explosions in space? Because like us, they hadn't seen the TV series. Exactly. They didn't have that context. Yeah. So we mentioned it looks like a Western. With the music, it sounds like a Western. Yeah. And you've got the the opening theme, the Ballad of Serenity. It was performed by Sonny Rhodes, but I believe it was actually written by Joss Whedon himself. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he wrote it uh, late at night um, because, as I said, he was doing ridiculously long hours on this show, at which the entire crew were and the cast were doing a lot longer hours than you'd normally find on a TV show as well because they all love the show so much. But yeah, it was, I think I've, uh, an interview I've seen, he was working it out because he's musically inclined. Uh, just watch Dr. Horrible, 
sing-along vlog if you want to know how much she's into music. And Nathan Fillion is in that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and he wrote it, and I, th I think he even used a guitar because he has two brothers who are also uh, tending to work with him, Zach and... I can't remember the other one. Zach Reed, and he has written some of the comics, hasn't he? And I believe, is he one of the producers and writers on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he has another brother who's also worked on the TV shows, on Doctor Horrible, and on the comics as well from time to time. His name just escapes me right now. But I think those guys can play the guitar, and together they worked out the idea, but wisely thought to hire a professional to actually sing the theme. And that is, of course, Sonny Rhodes, yeah. as I mentioned earlier. Well, the actual music in the series, composed by Greg Edmondson. Yeah. He scores the series. I, I didn't note down who did the movie, whether they brought him back or not. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'd they, imagine... well, they actually had a theatrical uh, soundtrack for that. Someone sounding more like a, a, a traditional composer. Okay, so they probably went for like a bigger name, yeah. name for the um, movie. Because I didn't check on the film, but the producer from the TV show, Ben Edlund... Of course. Yes, The Tick. I did see that name. Yeah, this is one of the big things. He does a lot of TV uh, producing because the other thing he's a big influence on and works on is the Venture Brothers TV series. And Gotham. I've seen Edland, his yeah. name on Gotham as well. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why I guess he doesn't need to worry about comic writing too much is he's making his money in TV. But yeah, watching Firefly, and I guess I didn't know the name years ago, but the rewatch for this... You've got, like, it's a Joss Whedon TV series, and then Ben Edlund yeah. producing, writing. Like, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, his fingers can be felt in a lot of different pies. So we've got the episodes, then. We've finally got here. Yeah. <laughs> we've set the stage well and truly. We've got Serenity Parts 1 and 2, and we've mentioned a couple of times now, that's where you're first introduced to all the characters. Yeah. Uh, it starts off with the six years before the show itself, which is the fall of Serenity Valley. Uh, Mal and Zoe are fighting for the independence, the brown coats as they're also known, against the Alliance. They're pinned down on a backwater moon, and they're waiting for backup. And the whole time, they know it's coming. They've called it in. Um, it's... It's well put together because what ends up happening is they're getting hammered by uh, a, a gunship, like a flying a spaceship, uh, and they it's ruining them, and they're not going to be able to hold out in time. So Zoe and Mal do something reckless and stupid, get an AA gun, shoot it down, and that should be it. That should solidify their, their hold while they get back up. And then they find they can hear the backup coming because they have a friend who's like freaking out. And then they, when they hear the radio message, they're pulling back. They're not getting that backup. And they're like, well, whose ships is that? And you see very bad CGI of like a bunch of these ships landing, which is the, the enemy, the Alliance. And the, the battle's ending. It, it goes quiet. He's devastated while he's just watching this happen. This guy he's been having next to him gets shot. And uh, that's where it all falls. It's the ideas behind it work really well. I think he and uh, Gina Torres acted out really well. The quality of the whole look to it, though, kind of shoddy. 
It's pretty bad. <laughs> it is pretty bad. But what is happening in that scene, you've absolutely nailed it and you relayed it perfectly. That's that's how we're first introduced to this world. And then yeah. years later, we're going to be on the ship and he's got his crew. But yeah, like that's what happens. That's what changes him and Zoe as people. Yeah. But and the execution. <laughs> like, like Before we recorded, like, I would chat to you the other day and I said, oh, that first episode. And you were like, Oh, it's so good. I'm like, oh, we're going to have such a good conversation <laughs> because yes, the execute, the, sorry, not the execution. That's the bad thing. Yeah. The, the setup is really, really good, yeah. but it just looked really cheap. Yeah. I mean, it really does look like, uh, a pilot and the first swing. That being said, and as, as I watched more and more of the episodes, it really became apparent to me that, was like the defining moment for him. Not only did he name his ship after that moment, but uh, he has lost everything by then. Everything he's got left, he's never going to get hurt again as much as he was in that moment, which it comes back later on um, when he's getting tortured, ironically, but uh, in a later episode, they're trying to find out what kind of man he is and what he's got left. It's like, he really doesn't have anything. He's but he's it's his ship for him, and that the freedom represents. That's and his literally crew. the yeah, ship and his crew. That's all he's got left, and his whole idea is doing right by his people and staying in the air. That is it. And I like the fact that you know, speaking to him as a character again, that he's not always the most capable. No, but he get he get, but he gets the jobs done, and obviously he relies on Zoe and the rest of his crew, but he's not. Superman. He's not just gonna fly in there and you know all by himself resolve everything. Yeah, like, yeah. he's gonna fall. He's gonna get back up. He's gonna get tortured. Yeah, he's gonna make mistakes, and everyone else is gonna have to kind of cover for him. And but, it's a real. It's it's one of the things what makes his character so strong is he's not like you said a superhero of a captain. He's not Captain Kirk, where somehow he'll always figure a way through and has the, the talent to make it happen. He really has to rely on those around him. I can see with the train job, which, again, that was put out as the first episode on Fox. Yeah. That episode is a lot more polished. Yeah. It's a bit rough around the edges, Serenity, parts one and two. Yeah. But I really like that as an opening. But, yeah, that first scene in particular, shocking. Yeah. But the train job, I really liked it as an episode. Yeah, it's really well done. Uh, they come across the... Uh... The guy who hires him, which is Nishka, who's this very German, he has a terrible uh, reputation, and he's to all he talks is all about reputation. He's his manservant, who's kind of over the top, very typical late nineties, early two thousands villain, uh, which is another thing with when it came to costumes with bad guys, very much representative of the time in which yeah. the show was made. Uh, but and he has a penchant for torturing people so when zoe and mal take the job they're very aware we have to deliver on this not only are our reputations up but this is not someone who's going to let it slide and they're on the job they are on the on the sh uh train they steal what it was they they didn't ask about what it was uh and the plan goes perfectly Except that when Jane comes down and lifts the goods, they were supposed to get out as well. Something happens, they don't, and they're stuck on the 
train until it gets stopped and everyone starts getting questioned. And that's when they realize it was drugs for this small settlement. The medical supplies. Yeah, medical supplies. And they all have this horrible disease, like basically a, a kind of lung cancer that they get from whatever it is that they're mining in this area. And they're all going to die without that, those supplies. And Mal's like, we can't take this. We've got to give it back. Even like, we'll just have to sort it out with this Nishka guy. We'll give him his money back. He'll be fine. And then you get a very funny resolution to that, which is his manservant turns up. They're like, yeah, we're not going to, here's the money back. You explain it. It's all for the good. And he tells them he will hunt you down. And they just kick him into the engine. Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. Bring the next guy, <laughs> making the same offer. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. It's best for everyone. But great, great writing. And just that, again, like, I think both of us, we can't speak highly enough of Mal as a character. Just in that moment, obviously, it's all about survival. It's about making money. But then he recognizes that these people do need help. Yeah. So we can't go through with it. Yeah. And even his his way of dealing with these people, he knows, he's like, I'm not, look, here's your money back. No hard feelings. It's a business thing. Kills this one guy who's like, I'll hunt you down. And then gives the same chance to the next member of their crew. He's like, look, and yeah, like, seriously, no hard feelings. I just... It works. You go out your way. We'll go our way. It's funny. It's That scene's got everything. Yeah. But, you know, watching Serenity first, the introduction that I had to Mal was the Reavers were attacking the village. Yep. They were on the the ship escaping on, like, the the cruiser. Yep. And... There were too many people on there, like weighing the ship down. Reavers are hot on the tail, and then Mal kicks one of the guys off, and the Reavers get him and kill him. Yeah, oh, well, he kills him, so the Reavers don't. Oh, so yeah, yeah, but but knocks him off the ship. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very cold look at him. And again, when you watch just the film, you're like, I don't, not sure, I like this guy. This is not the kind of character we we're used to yeah. in these movies. Yeah, but if you watch Firefly in context. There's a lot more to it. He understands how bad the Reavers are because you've seen them in a few episodes. Uh, you have all, like, he does him a kindness. And they're also, they have reached that point of desperation by Serenity. Is They've had so little work, so little jobs. They can't turn this one down. They need the money. And as he later states, says that when they get back to the ship, I should have ditched Jane. I should have ditched Jew. I should have ditched anything but the money. We, we literally, we... Uh, are on wit's end. The ship can't keep running. We can't eat if we don't get some money. That was the last thing I could throw away. But yeah, it's it's really well done. Speaking of the Reavers, you are introduced to them in the very first episode. A but lot. Do you see them though? You don't. They you see a ship and right. they go. They, you know that's when he explains and the, the you get the lore of some men went out to the void and saw nothingness and it sent him loopy. So like um, I said earlier, instead of seeing the world, you're told about the world. Yeah, uh, and this is the only part during the uh, the pilot where you actually get expositionary dialogue rather than it naturally coming about, which is something that the pilot does really well. It's just uh, like allowing the, the characters to get a point across, but, uh, the, but for the reader specifically... It is actually exposition. When you find that in the movie, it was Sarah Paulson. She yeah. was the one responsible. Yeah. Experimenting on people, driving them mad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they explain if you run away from them, they have to chase you. It's something they do, right? That that they were people, but they're, 
just gone mental and if they find you they will rape you to death kill you and then eat you i mean it, hopefully it, in that order all the bad things yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know, yeah. It's horrific. yeah literally a nightmare on legs <laughs> you know i mean if they were just gonna kill you it's bad enough but they're gonna do all the other stuff too yeah exactly uh stitch part of you into their to make their clothing i mean come on guys <laughs> like yeah. too far yeah uh the third episode they again come across reavers this time it's a derelict ship which uh they're using you know they find it there's they go on board but they're like everyone's dead maybe we can find some supplies and we'll get something great out of it but that's when they find out it's been hit by reavers and they didn't kill everyone one person was left who has gone as mental as they are which this is something that was supposed to be part of the slow burn of the show before you realize before the film and you find out how the Reavers came to pass. Right. So they were going to gradually release bits of information throughout the season. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe even over two seasons if they could get that far. But, you know, they get caught by the Alliance whilst they're doing this because salvage operations are illegal by the alliance the alliance takes care of all of that no one can make an eight an honest dollar as they keep uh putting and when they, he says you need to worry about that kid it was a reaver like i'm warning you right now this is going to go bad and the the, the alliance head is like that's just a tall tale don't be stupid until that guy starts butchering his crew so they really are like seen as being a myth within yeah. the world like yeah which is you hear about them you don't see them so there's some people, they're not real. Yeah, because they're only out on the frontier. The core is like, that's all just propaganda. Don't, don't pay any mind. Um, the following episode of this is really great. They're on a, a world where Anara is going to a fancy dress party. And they need to contact. They, can't, uh, they need to work as a middleman for someone they've worked on before, which was in the pilot. And it's the actor who plays Crowley on Supernatural. Yes, and he's just appeared in Doom Patrol. Yes, yes. I do like him. He's great as Crowley. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, and he's like this like, very cockney, uh, street scum guy who, who acts posh, like drinking tea in, in the very traditional way, tea and biscuits and that kind of thing, um, who leaves the crew in the lurch in the pilot because they've gotten these these foodstuffs but they've been stamped with alliance things and it's hard to move but they had gotten that job from him and he refuses to touch it after they find out it's been it's going to be harder to move um and he doesn't like the fact that mal has this honorable streak and he feels like he looks down on him and it's that reason why he hires him for this job mal gets Haley to crash this like fancy party and the person who's hired in Ara because she's a companion which happens to be basically a really high class hooker and she's a main character yeah in this sci-fi yeah I mean she is I mean like I say she's a companion yeah but there seems to be this mythology around companions as well as uh they're extremely expensive there's not that many of them um they are clean they're they're, they're like ambassadors. I, I won't say they're like celebrities, but there's almost that quality about them. It's, where, it's like high society, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 
And that's when she's saying when she first joins the ship, she's like saying that it's a plus for you guys. You're benefiting from my presence on your ship. Yeah, by having me on here, it'll allow you access to places that you wouldn't be able to go otherwise. Because and she's she bring, not wrong. Yeah, no, she's not, because she brings a bit of class yeah. to the ship. Uh, but the guy who she's with is a piece of shit, high society type, um, treats her like a possession, and Mal takes exception to that and snots the guy. you got to love him. Like, <laughs> honestly, Mal, like, if, you know, we always rate series that we cover on the podcast out of five. I'm going to say right now, Nathan Fillion is Mal, five out of five. Yeah, easily. He's, easily. He's well, like, one of the, the best characters on TV. He is. It's such, He's so amazing. He's so well written. And you can't help but love him. This unfortunately ends up in a duel, which he's all up for until he realizes it's not a duel with pistols or a punch out, it's swords. And he's uh, he's, he's like he 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 refuses to kill the guy as he after he miraculously wins, even though he's outclassed. Um, and he's like, I'm not gonna stab you. Like, I'm just gonna leave you here. I'm 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 better than that. And then he stabs him anyway. He's like, Well, better than you. And then he stabs him again. He's like, Eh, I'm okay, I guess. <laughs> Like, it's just yeah, that cheekiness. Like, he is taking the uh, the high ground, but he still has, like, enough pettiness to, like, I am going to, like, stab you a little bit, though. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, episode five, you get the backstory of Simon um, and his relation, early relationship with River uh, and kind of a little bit of the stuff they went through beforehand. Uh, you see Kid Simon, played by Zac Efron. Yeah, I, I was I spotted his name in your notes. Yeah. Now, I knew you'd be doing a deep dive and you'd go through every episode, which I have seen, whereas I was select, just like with Star Wars Rebels on the episodes that I rewatched. Yeah. So I missed Zac Efron <laughs> as young Simon. Yeah. Uh, and while I'm watching it, I thought, man, that looks like Zac Efron. I had to pause it. I'm like, so I've random, isn't it? This. I mean, Christina Hendricks mentioned she's in this, and that was, like, years before she got Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah, and you do see a couple of, like, famous names uh, pop off in this show. But, yeah, Zac Efron, pre-high school musical as well, the thing that really launched him. Well, the big question, does he look like a young Simon? Kind of, yeah. Oh, does he? Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you can believe, given his jaw structure and the goofy hair and everything... That it is him. The only thing, he is more tan than Sean Mayer, even back then. I think he was born tanned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, this one, uh, they get into a predicament and Shepard gets shot. Oh. Yeah, uh, they're selling the cattle, who the contact in the previous one, who they impressed with Mal standing up for Anara. Um, that guy has cows he wants to sell off off planet which is for some reason illegal and he can't go through that way so that firefly crew is smuggling it where they meet up they meet up on this other backwater planet where the authorities turn up to catch whoever's going to buy the cows shepherd gets shot but simon gets kidnapped so they don't have their medic on board and they have to uh, unfortunately go to the Alliance for help who aren't going to help them until they read books ID and then immediately jump to action. Like, which is where you get that first hint. He wasn't just a shepherd. He was right. something yep. 
fairly important here. And you also get in this episode, uh, River starts spouting knowledge she shouldn't have about the small people who've been kidnapped. They needed a doctor, so they kidnapped him and her, uh, and they're going to burn her as a witch because she knows things she shouldn't. That's right. So you get a bit of her, uh, her, her seer stuff come through. You strip that episode down to its bones. Yeah. <laughs> it's about somebody selling cows to somebody else. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. And witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got all the action yeah. and spaceships. And again, because of that frontier Western feel, things like witchcraft... And buying cows would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> this... Uh, the only way to get honest cows uh, is not by going through normal means. They have to smuggle them around. Like, because... Why? Why is that? Uh, the next episode is the Christina Hendricks episode. That is a good episode. Our Mrs. Reynolds. Yes. Uh, she's phenomenal in this, and she's so hot. Like, and not in a, a bombshell, look how well I'm dressed. It's like a homely, like... She's got a natural beauty, and she's really good in this. And because it had been years since I'd seen it last, and then watching it again for this, I fell for it again. I completely forgot that she was just playing games and that she really had an agenda. Yeah, and I was like, oh, poor Mrs. Reynolds. Like, <laughs> she, you know, she just wants a kiss. Yeah, um, and yeah, she's so good. She's got the entire crew sold on her act that she's this sweet, innocent... Like and One by one, she neutralizes them. Yeah, uh, the only one that she couldn't trick is Inara because she recognizes... Companion training. Yes, yes, I did like that. Yeah, and, and then... And they had a little fight. Yeah, and uh, Anara holds her own. So Saffron has to run off. And then because she's worried that Mal's dead, she kisses him and gets drugged herself by yep. the thing that drugged him. And then at the end of the episode, Mal's all like... <laughs> She kissed you. You yep. fell for it like the rest of us. Like instead of the no, yeah. no, it was her. It was you. And then you get to see the loyalty between Wash and Zoe. How he's having none of it. Like as we yeah. mentioned, she's very attractive and yeah. she's coming on to me and he's having none of it. Yeah, and she thinks he will be easy because when it comes to Wash and Zoe, they have an odd marriage. They they do. At face value shouldn't work. No, works really well, but it looks as though it shouldn't. Yeah, like. She's the authority. She's the dominant one. He's the goofball. He's got toy dinosaurs in yeah. his workstation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> My favorite line from Wash. It's uh, a great line. Yeah. I set you up. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's silly. He's the pilot and he's a very competent pilot. But he is a dag. And she's, she's uh, strict, seems very cold exceptionally loyal to Mal, and she always defers to this other man on board. I mean, yeah, it's her boss and her captain, but it look and she always seems to, she's, where you see the, the strength of the relationship is that she's always protecting him, and she's always uh, sort of like trying to smooth out his emotional upset, because he comes across as the hysterical woman, funnily enough. That's the, the, the inversion of their roles. I mean, yeah, it does. It does play that way, and he does at times get jealous of the relationship between Zoe and Mal. Yeah, which comes up in a later episode. But yeah, it, when you see Saffron try and like throw herself 
any dude would have fallen for it. Anyone would have been like, ah, because Washish and Zoe have just had an argument. He's alone in the cockpit because he's the pilot, and she comes in and throws all her feminine wiles at him. It's like, I'm, I want you to take me now. And he's like, he won't even kiss her. He's like, I'm married. I love my wife. He was like, if it was any other guy, I would, but I won't. I simply won't. It's a great moment right there. It's a great moment for, for Wash. It is. It's a great uh, scene. And yeah, and so she has to literally kick his ass, which she you does know, easily. I'll, I'll say this. For me, this episode is a highlight. It's one of the best episodes. That I'm, I'm generally interested in picking up that comic, focusing on her and getting more of her backstory. Yeah, because I'm sure this is another one they intended to go deep dive because she does pop up later on in another episode. And you do get... A little Just bit more. Just the tiniest yeah. little bit more. But, but she's such a well-fleshed-out character in this opening because and the, the performance we're getting from Kendricks as well, like she's playing the character in so many different ways depending on the, the character on the ship she's interacting with. Yeah. Or the yeah. person on the ship, should I say. Um, but yeah, phenomenal episode. Uh, the next episode is Jane Cobb, the hero of Canton. Janestown. When I first watched this episode all those years ago, it, it did nothing for me. I thought it felt a bit like a filler episode. Yeah. This time, what a great episode. <laughs> it is a fantastic episode. It, yeah. go, it goes from being so fearful to being like the hero of the town and he embraces it. Yeah. Uh, for this episode, they end up on this backwater crap hole, which its entire um, export is... High quality clay, or more accurately, mud. ceramics. Yeah, or they refer to it as mud. Oh, yeah, yeah, the mud. Um, but it's an extremely valuable resource because use them to make high end parts, ceramic parts for spaceships, for guns, for anything. It's it's ceramics essentially. But the people there, their conditions are horrible. They're living in uh, almost squalor. That a lot of them have been sold into the life, so they have almost no wage, and the quality is horrible. Turns out Jane, the hero the, of Jamestown, <laughs> uh, years back before he joined the crew of the Serenity, was on a job there to rob the guy who runs the whole place um, and had 60,000 credits, which in the you learn is throughout the show. It's obviously a stupid amount of money. And he's there with another guy who uh, he does pulls the job with. And he should have been away clean, but he takes an anti-air fire shot, throws the guy, his partner off the, the the getaway ship. Which really speaks to his character. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it's only when he's losing altitude and he really realizes he can't keep the money as well because of the weight, throws that out. He just happened to be over the quarters of all the mud workers uh, and for them, he robbed from the rich and gave to them and improved Just their like lives. Just like Robin Hood. Yeah. So then he became a local folk hero. Yeah. So when he turns up with the crew of the Firefly, he's lauded. And they just happen to need a distraction. So they turn it into like this mini uh, like uh, celebration for the, to cause a distraction. But he's so endeared by these people... He feels protective of them and doesn't want to take advantage. <laughs> it, it is a great episode. I believe Ben Edlund wrote this one. I'm pretty sure his name's on it. Yeah. This episode was just a lot of fun. 
and it played like a good one and done. Like you could just watch this one episode and that could be it and just get so much out of it. Yeah. Um, Adam Feldman actually loves the song of Jane, <laughs> the hero of Canton, and sings song. it it's at conventions. Song. Honestly, the, oh, does he really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. But the look of the rest of the crew when they start singing about Jane is just priceless. Yeah, they're like, what? Because they know Jane. They know the real they Jane. Know he isn't the person they're speaking about. Yeah. The 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 comedic timing on the actors in this is just fantastic. Yeah, and Sean Mayer, he's like, he just can't believe what, it the most. <laughs> this is what insanity must feel like. <laughs> it's um, it is a fantastic episode. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Um, and in the end, he does do the right thing, uh, and he tries to let them know, like, I'm not that hero. He wrecks his own statue, which they themselves had made. Uh, and one of the townsfolk jumps in the way of a bullet for him, which pisses him off and hurts him. And he has his little heart to heart with Mal at the end. Like, why do they do that? Why do they do that? I bet those idiots are resurrecting that statue right as we speak. And because he, he really can't get around the, the fact that for them, the story and what it means is means so much more than the truth yes really well put together and and that's it so at face value it's a funny episode yeah but there's there's so much drama there as well and like you say that scene at the end between him and mal yeah beautiful the next episode oh, such a great episode this is where mal is it starts off with mal dying in the cargo bay he's bleeding from the stomach and there doesn't seem to be anyone else on the ship uh, and then it cuts to 72 hours earlier. That's not my favourite storytelling device. When you start near the end, and then you go back and you're working your way, but this episode does work, so there's enough mystery there yeah. to find out, well, we know the ship's full of the rest of the crew, how do we get there? But him being in that position, like him loving the crew, the ship... It makes sense that he would be the last. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and also the captain goes down with the ship, but also with this episode, when this came out initially, this was not a common device. Unfortunately, everyone uses this storytelling device now, and they use it to death. I mean, I didn't realize this was one of the first because I'm I'm so familiar with this way of telling a story. Yeah, and this was one of the first then. Uh, I don't know if it was one of the first, but it was definitely one of the first times I'd seen it. I'd seen one or two Star Trek episodes use it, but it wasn't okay. it wasn't frequently used. It wasn't every show did an episode like this. It was still fresh when they by the time they used it. And you still don't know how the episode's gonna end. I mean, it does that whole thing of like he's gonna are we watching how he dies? Oh, I watched Serenity first, so I knew. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that he didn't die. <laughs> exactly. But uh, what I know over the course of this episode, uh, uh, something goes wrong 72 hours earlier. Uh, a part in the ship breaks, which leaves them without power. And it somehow uh, there's a fire, which burns up a lot of oxygen. They manage to put it out because they're in space. So you seal some doors, open one door out in space. It drags the oxygen and with it the fire to put it out. But it also damages their backup life support. They are they're going to suffocate and freeze in space without a way to repair this part. Um, they don't have that those methods on board, um, and uh, Zoe is knocked out 
and incapacitated from the initial blast because they're all in the kitchen when it happened. Um, so without, uh, with life support failed and the only heat and oxygen left is what was in the ship at the time, Mal makes a decision to send on using the two shuttles, four people one way, four people another way, and they're like, you have to come with us, Mal. Shuttles don't take more than four. That is their capacity. You need every bit of ox life support on those to, to live. I'm going to go stay down. I'm going to make sure you guys are fine. I'll be here when you come back. The idea that they'll go one way or another, hopefully find help, because they're off the beating track because of the fact they're wanted, which is uh, means that the likelihood of being found is low. Uh, whilst everyone's off the ship and he's almost suffocating to death, people rock up, they have the part he needs, and in the trade are going to steal the ship. They're like, the ship's in perfect condition. We just need to fix this part and it's ours. They shoot Mal. He manages to pull a gun on him and get them off his ship, but he has to get the part reinstalled, which... Thankfully, Zoe showed him that was a fairly easy job to do. Uh, and they had a change of heart and came back after he passes out because he was going to bleed to death. He couldn't get back to the button in time in the cockpit to buzz them, to let them know it was all good. Uh, but you also see the history of Serenity, how he came across the ship, how he signed up Wash and the other members of the crew. Um, I think you even get Jane. Uh, how Jane yeah, I think ended you first, up on the crew you first as well. see him as well. I do like that he was able to fix it himself. Yeah. Because it shows that he is capable. Yeah. He's got a crew that he relies on, but if it comes down to it, he can do things himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it starts off with, if you, this is a great ship. If you, uh, if you treat her right, she'll always treat you right. Turns out the ship that he's being sold is not the Firefly. The Firefly is some piece of crap off the lot that the guy doesn't care for. I mean, that's the Millennium Falcon. I guess when you see it in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what the, 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 the ship represents to Mal as well. It's, it's... And you know when Mal first sees the ship? CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Early 2000s CGI. Yeah. Is it there? Is it not there? Who knows? Yeah. It's also, uh, before this point, I should bring up, whilst I was doing this rewatch, I suddenly realised one of the reasons I love this show, and I think one of the reasons it's endured, they are the Guardians of the Galaxy. The original Guardians, yeah. Do you think James Gunn has seen Firefly? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, but in terms of uh, their, you know, uh, criminals with hearts of gold... The, the, you know, the, the, you know, Rocket Raccoon, that's pretty much Jane. He's the angry, like, don't show emotion type. Uh, but the crew dynamics, the, what they do, they, you know, they go take these weird jobs and they You're do You're blowing the right my thing. mind right now. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> that's, that's, that's the epiphany. <laughs> exactly, that's the epiphany I had <laughs> oh, wow. whilst I was watching the show. I mean, they don't have a doctor. No, they don't. But, you but have, it's close. Yeah, it's it is so close. close, yeah. And the Guardians we get in the James Gunn movie aren't the original Guardians for the comics. Yeah. So they are, yeah. Wow, okay, similar. Yeah, yeah. Just just the feel of the crew and their dynamic. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've not seen Firefly. Unfortunately, we've spoiled a lot so far. <laughs> but you like Guardians of the Galaxy? Watch Firefly. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing they won't have is the great music choices. Like, I like the music in the show, but they're not using 
seventies and eighties pop songs. No, that's true. Episode nine. Uh, this is the hospital heist. This one, River. They're all sitting around the table as they often do. Uh, and River for some reason pulls a knife and cuts Jane's chest. Um, Inara needs to go to a core planet anyway to renew her companion license, which is something that apparently you have to do every year, which includes a full medical because they need to check they haven't got any sexually transmitted diseases and the like uh, and check on their general health. You know, you know, you, the way you're recounting what's actually happening in the episode, <laughs> like without actually seeing space and the effect, you know, all of this, like we've got selling cows. We've, you know, she's going for a medical. Yeah. And what was, you were talking about, what was the other episode? Because we've got the mud pile, oh, ceramics. Yeah. We're talking about <laughs> ceramics. So he's like, you know, yeah, Firefly is great. But when you, when you strip it down to the basic essence of the plot, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the very simple part is very simple. And it's what they build on top. I mean, Star Trek's all about big ideas, you know, like, you know, larger than life stories. Yeah. Yeah, Firefly is its own thing, isn't it? It yeah, it really is. Okay, so where were we? Medical? Yeah, so why she, she's gone to this central world because she that's where you have to go. You have to go to like the, 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 the head area for the companions. There's not any other jobs they're going to be able to get there. But they've also had to turn more and more jobs away because having Simon and River on board, they are Alliance's most wanted. Um, but after this whole thing with river attacking jane simon comes up with this really well thought out hospital heist he's like here's the drugs this one goes street value 50 creds this one 200 creds this i can tell you where all they are i know the layout of the hospital i know how it works i know how we can get in i'll tell you which drugs to take and and we'll get out and it'll, uh, go off without a hitch i just need you to smuggle me and river in because I need to be able to scan her properly with proper medical equipment to figure out what they've done to her, which is to, to solve these problems, which works. The hit, heist goes off without a hitch, but Jane sells them out to the Alliance, uh, and they all get caught. Well, Jane, River, and Simon, because Jane's the two with them, while Zoe and Mal are stealing the drugs and wash has the transport that they've managed to acquire as the getaway vehicle. Um, you, they get a brain scan, which turns out she's been like rivers been cut into multiple times in a brain. They've stripped back a part of her amygdala, which is stopping her from being able to suppress fears. So she's experienced like stray thoughts, like they're actually reality and they're happening. Um, really good stuff. You get her, she says this in the pilot, two by two hands of blue, which is a throwaway line in the pilot. Turns out what she's talking about in this episode is the operatives probably from the same program that were experimenting on her. Hands of blue, these two guys, they always work in a pair of two, have blue medical gloves on and they like kill everyone to cover up them hunting down River. Um, Jane... They're not going to pay him because he's uh, they're scumbags. So he helps break out River and Simon. And it all looks like it's fine. But Mal knows better. Right. So it's, it's on Jane's part. It's not a change of heart. He just didn't get paid. He didn't get so paid. So why is he going to yeah. follow through? Um, and 
seeing the uh simon and rivers um like genuine like thank you for getting us out of that situation a situation he put them in but they weren't aware of that mal knows it straight away knocks him out and he's going to release him in the out of the airlock classic mal yeah and but it's the fact that the thing that stops him is he goes make up some excuse don't tell them what i did and that genuine like i don't want them to know what a piece of shit i was is enough to change mal's mind and he's like but Next time this happens, this will go differently. Great character moment for, for those two. Really well done. Great episode. And it's a heist episode. You can't, I can't help but enjoy it. But really well done. Uh, the next episode, this is when Nishka comes back. Um, Zoe and Wash have another argument. Uh, Jane's being nice to the crew after what he just did, like buying apples and things, and everyone <laughs> finds it super weird and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> but they have to do... They have to do, sell... They're selling some drugs to someone. Uh, Wash is like, why don't we cut out the middleman and make all of the money ourselves? And Mal's like, we don't do that. Those people have jobs, and that's not how it's done. You do the, the right thing because you just will create further arguments otherwise. And now he had taken this to Zoe and he thought Zoe had just ignored it, but she had actually taken it to Mao and had agreed almost as soon as the idea was brought up. That's a terrible idea. You never cut out the middleman. It's a terrible way of running business. In the argument, Wash is annoyed at the relationship between Zoe and Mao, the fact that Zoe always backs Mao up and that she even just, she thought his idea was stupid. So he sabotages the shuttle so only he can fly it. So instead of Zoe going along on the on the exchange, he goes along. Nishka's men jump the entire exchange and Wash and Mal get taken by Nishka and are getting tortured. Zoe and the, they investigate the area and they realize what's going on. They know, realize who's responsible. And the cr- entire crew put their money together to pay off Nishka to get the crew back. And he's in the middle of... <laughs> he's in the middle of it, uh, torturing Mal and Wash. And they're... They're, uh, they're having this thing, like they're giving up all this information. Turns out it's just a squabble between those two. They're not giving up any information. <laughs> they're yelling at each right. other about Zoe and the relationship <laughs> and how ridiculous yeah. it is with Nishka like, what's going on? <laughs> what are you even what? talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, really great episode. Zoe gives the money and he's only willing to give them one of them and wants Zoe to choose. So she immediately chooses Wash and saves her husband because she's aware Mal can take it, but Wash can't. Um, they cut off Mal's ear, which... Pretty good special effects, I have to say. It's they pretty... cut his ear off. Yeah. But how does he get his ear back? Simon reattaches it using medical tech. Science. Yeah. Science. <laughs> that's why. You can't even tell it had ever been cut off. No, I mean, he did such a good job. I didn't even notice. And I watched Serenity in Blu-ray. Hi, yeah. Jeff. I did not notice that his ear had been stitched back on. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, because of the fact that he wouldn't break and that he was, he was making wash angry to keep him with him from from slipping away wash under gets a bit of an understanding of the 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 loyalty and why it exists between zoe and mal and helps zoe plan and execute a rescue op and that's where you get some 
the some of that all that goes away at this point all the weirdness between uh wash's insecurity between zoe and mal um great character moment and there's some great jokes as well like because he thinks there's some weird sexual chemistry going on with zoe and mal uh what uh mal uses that to keep him conscious and wash is like i wish you would sleep with her it would get it all <laughs> out of the way so they kind of take the piss out of wash later on like makes sense sir take me take me hard yeah. and he's like i'm taking my wife to bed <laughs> yeah i remember that, that yeah good. it's really yeah really well done episode 11 saffron returns more christina Hendricks. yes never a bad thing yeah i will watch her do anything uh this episode it's a it's really simple again it, it's one of those it starts off with mal naked desert in the desert the second time in the, in the short season oh was it really it. okay wow how did he get into the situation? Uh, he trusts her. That's how he ended up in the situation. Uh, she, he's doing a job. She happens to be married to his friend, who's the contact for the job. And of course, he sees her. She sees him. They start fighting. He explains that she's a a shuster. I mean, that's her whole thing. She's <laughs> always married to somebody. Yeah. Um. So. He's going to abandon her on this moon where there's no help of rescue, but he doesn't because he's a good guy. So uh, he takes her on board and she said she's got this job planned out, which will make him millions. Like, like uh, and no one trusts her, but Inara calls him out that he hasn't been taking the sort of jobs they normally would and hurts his pride, which seems like the catalyst for him proving her wrong by going in on this job with Saffron. Um, he never believed that for a second. They came up with this whole thing to cover what Saffron was inevitably going to do. But the way they play the episode out is he's fallen for it. He's ended up naked and stranded in the desert. She's going to get away with the loot and everything else and get one over on the crew again. But she doesn't. She ends up stuck in this garbage bin without anything. And it was Inara who put it there. Yeah, I really want more of this character. For sure. I was yeah. picking up the comic. Yeah. Uh, the next episode, episode 12, um, this is probably my favorite episode of the series. They're on a, a space station and they get posted a dead guy. Turns out it's someone that they used to serve with and you get a flashback of them in the war again. Uh, and this guy they served with, uh, the reason he's not dead, he's taking a drug to simulate death because he's doing illegal organ smuggling. Uh, and those organs are worth more to someone else than if he would just do the job he was paid for. The people who put him in there. Um, he doesn't trust. Uh, they're being followed by people who looks like they've got they're on they they've run out of cards, and now his only choice is to give him up because he put him in the situation in the first place. But of course, he has a a better episode than that. Uh, but with him not trusting Mal, he takes Kaylee hostage uh, and Mal has no choice but to shoot him and those wounds end up killing him. Uh, and Mal had this line early on in the war. It's like, everyone, there's a bullet out there with your name on it. The person who's got it doesn't even realize they're carrying it. Your the, the trick is to die before that bullet finds you and Mal's the guy who ended up shooting his, this kid. What a great line. It is. <laughs> oh, wow. It is. And they have this line of, you run and uh, you run until you can't run no more, and then when you can't run, you crawl, 
And when you can't crawl, you find someone to carry you. And he has to take, Mao has to take this friend of his who he's now responsible for killing and bury him for the family. Uh, and it ends up with the, the kid's funeral with the, the message he played for Hal, uh, Mao, with this heartfelt message of, uh, of a really beautifully shot. Funny thing about this episode, this is the episode they're filming when they found out the show was cancelled. Oh, really? And oh, the very next episode, the very next scene they shot was the funeral scene. Right. And, so, and they go, it's probably our best acting because everyone there was legitimately heartbroken. Yeah, wow. Because we knew we were cancelled. Wow, that would give different meaning to watching that episode again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, as I said, my favourite episode, really well executed. The acting's phenomenal. Really good. And he comes in and the crew, and immediately gets along with the crew and starts hitting on Kaylee, who has a thing for him, because Simon's not making a move. But yeah. You know, morbid curiosity. I'm going to go back and watch that funeral. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Such a well done episode. Um, episode 13. This is the last stand at the whorehouse. As we'll call it, it's. Um, is that the name of the episode? No, <laughs> that's just your name for the episode. It is um, an old friend of Anara's who used to be a companion, and hasn't since left, and has started her her own uh, actual whorehouse because they're not companions on a backwater moon. Um, the local like guy who runs the, the place, who's rich and should be able to bring it up into like a really prominent city. But he likes having everyone down in this weird frontier thing so he can play cowboy, as she puts it. But she, he has all the best tech of all his money. Um, treats him like hell. And all the male pimps who ran it before treat it like crap. So she's managed to wrestle all the, the power and run it properly. But one of her girls has become pregnant with this guy's child. And his own wife's barren and can't give birth. So... He, she knows he's going to come to take this child by force. Puts out the call to Inara, who convinces Mal to obviously help. Um, and Mal, the the woman's name is Mandy, who runs it. Mal and her have it on. Like, they genuinely find each other, like, attractive and a great character moment. But Mandy immediately read that Mal had a thing for Inara, Right. Okay. It's not until the next morning after she slept with Mal that she reads, oh, Anara had a thing for him as well. And Anara seeing them together, she actually goes off and cries somewhere. And oh, that's when damn. you get the information <laughs> of like, it really is a mutual thing between those two. Um, and Anara is kind of dicky about it, but Mandy's killed during the rescue. Um, it all come, lets, comes off well. Mal tracks the guy down. And drags him back to the whorehouse. Doesn't kill him himself, even though he's he really wants to because he just killed this woman he likes. But lets the the girl who's was pregnant shoot him in the head. Justice is served. Um, frontier justice. Frontier justice. <laughs> uh, the other big thing on this episode is Inara and uh, like Mao's actually vocalizing most of his feelings, and then Inara's like, "I'm gonna leave the ship," which again. Like, where was the storyline's going to go uh, later on? Also, in the Serenity movie, that's why she's not on the ship at the start. You know, I did read something. I think her character was going to die. I think that's the direction they were going to be going in. Whether it was going to be in season two or further along, I'm pretty sure they were heading to a point. That was something planned, yeah. Um, 
if you watch the, uh, for the 10th anniversary Firefly, they did a special like round table for the anniversary with most of the actors and stuff. One of the things that come across, uh, you see this in the pilot when, the, when they're flying by the Reavers ship, everyone's all tense, everyone's trying to be quiet. Inara goes into a shuttle and pulls out a syringe. There's going to be an episode where she gets taken by the Reavers and the crew mount a rescue and she's used this syringe. Turns out what this syringe does and companions have this, it's a drug. So if anyone takes them against their will, uh, the drug kills whoever it is who had sex with them. When they get to the Reavers ship, all the Reavers are dead. Oh, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen more Firefly not that. Yeah, it's supposed. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was supposed to. I think this was. This was supposed to be an idea for her story arc. Is that's initially what I can't be out here anymore. I want to be on a central planet where this danger's away. Um, but it was supposed to be a devastating thing that was supposed to bring her and Mal closer together, but inevitably pushes them further apart. Yeah. And then there was supposed to be a further revelation when she goes back to companions. And one of the reasons in Serenity why she's teaching other companions. Yes, right. That makes sense. She has a, a, a lethal illness. She is going to die. It's it maybe it may have been related to what happened on the Ravager ship, but she was going to develop a, a terminal illness. Right. So either way, that's the direction they're heading for her character. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, and then the final episode of the show. Uh, fun episode. A bounty hunter has managed to sneak on board, uh, incapacitate everyone uh, to get River. It's a fun episode. You got River making him think that the ship is sentient, and she's in the ship. Yeah. You know, there's some there's some humor there. She gets one up on him because she's actually in the ship and she's not reading his mind. But what I'll say, watching this and then watching Serenity the movie, very similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, they've both got. A bounty hunter tracking them down. Yeah. Um, the I didn't get the actor's name, but the guy who plays the bounty hunter, his character, really interesting. Quirky as all hell. Yeah. Like, such yeah. a quirky character. Does that character. sound right to you? Yeah. Like, very interesting. And then, I mean, I'm saying, you know, with the movie, it's similar. The approach the actor's taking there is very different to what we're getting in this episode. Absolutely. And he's not an alliance guy. He is literally just a bounty hunter. His name's Hurley. Uh, but And he is, comes across uh, as quite disturbing. He ties up Kaylee, and his first thing he says to her is like, I like this ship. Maybe I've always been here. It's kind of quirky. And then he says, have you ever been raped before? You know, it, I think more than any other podcast we've done together, rape keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing in this world, isn't it? It is. And I, I suppose it's something to do with the, the Ravager's M.O., the Reavers MO, I should say. Uh, the Ravagers are Guardians. <laughs> well, you've said. Yeah. Very similar. But I, I'm i like, no, not Kaylee. Yeah. yeah uh, and I'm glad that didn't happen. And she's the innocent one. And he uses that as an intimidation thing. He does. And I realised very quick, that's what he's doing. Yeah. It's purely about control. He's yeah. not actually going to carry out the threat. Yeah. Because I'm like, sat there watching the season finale to Firefly. Yeah. I don't want to see rape in space. No. No, but also I imagine it's because it's the frontier. It's supposed to be unjust, and unfortunately, this is something that is a reality in that area. But yeah, he's really interesting. River, 
comes up with a plan and rescues the rest of the crew from the other guy's ship. I still, I mean, how did she even get that? Like, yeah. You know, I still don't know. Yeah, and then as the guy, and she's like, I'm going to go with you because I'm too dangerous for all of these guys. They can have a life without me. So when he's going back to his own ship, he's on the hull of the Serenity. Mal's out there in a flight suit, throws him off into the space, and as far as we're aware, he dies alone in an EVA suit. Or he's space. still out there floating. Yeah. Somewhere. But I, I do like that quick resolution that they often have in fights. They won't do like a big, like drawn out brawl. It's just, you know, thrown into the propeller or the engine. Yeah. Pushed out into space. Yeah. Quick resolutions. Yeah, because when he first gets on board, the first person he comes across is Mal, who he thought was going to bed, but is still wandering around. And they do have a tussle. But Hurley's that much better at hand to hand. He dispatches Mal fairly quickly. Again, not always the most capable in a fight yeah. or situation, but comes out on top anyway. Yeah. I like it. Which takes us, of course, to the film. Um, one thing I'll say straight off, other than uh, for the bat, the production design and the quality of everything, including the special effects, far superior for the film. Obviously, it's a film budget. Even uh, even the costumes, Mal is still wearing his traditional red shirt and beige pants, but his overalls, just the texturing detail, like far higher. Like before, it just looked like they'd taken the strap off like a backpack or something, whereas this looked like it had been specifically manufactured for for the film. I mean, you can see much bigger budget. So to go from the movie and then watch Firefly, I think that's why it was so drastic watching Serenity Part 1. Yeah. And the, the effects and the execution. Yeah. You're like, well, what was this? Is this what a score is going to look like? Well, you just get better as it, as it goes on. But yeah, but the film's got such a good polish to it. And again, it's the film for me just delivered on the promise of the series. Yeah. It showed us the world. And I mentioned that a couple of times already, but it really does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it starts off with the history of the universe. It's then you're, you actually get to see... It's, it turns out to be a security hologram, but it's the actual rescue of River by Simon from the facility. And this is where, straight off the bat, you're introduced to... You're, he's not ever given a name. But I just called him the operative, uh, which is, of course, again, Chiwetel Uh And you also see his morality, his belief, uh, his skill. And you're introduced... He has this disabling trick where he strike someone in a nerve cluster in the small of their back and then he uses a sword to assist a guy against his will to fall on the, on the sword himself yeah. yeah yeah and you see his uh lack of emotion he's very eloquent um and he's also dedicated and very smart as well and capable and you get all of that within like the first five minutes of the film uh uh then you get the reintroduction of the crew. And this clearly done for those who've never watched the show before because you get to re... They reintroduce all of the team's dynamics, uh, the humour, the uh, wash. Although he's not playing with his dinosaurs this time, you do get a sense of uh, his kind of absurdity. Um, they're doing a job where they're essentially stealing alliance funds from a bank it's it's not a, a small town's funds but it's alliance funds and they're taking for the first time river on a job simon's really angry at it 
and Mal's super short with him. As I said, Inara's already left the the, sh- uh, the ship, um, and you know again they they establish everything really well. But while they're doing the the the, the heist, my, one of my favorite things of this whole movie is River consents a guy is going to be a hero while they've got everyone on the ground and she points it out to Zoe and Zoe looks over at the guy like this one yeah, and, the, and her look on her face yep. of like yeah that one it just <laughs> you could hear her basically scream it out yep. from just the look really well done um and that's what i mean this movie is where river for me becomes river yeah everything we've seen before in firefly has been building to this yeah absolutely um, and she sent while they're in the middle of this and Mal's talking over the stuff with the security guard. He's like, I'm just going to shoot you in the leg. You know, it shows a lot of blood, very little damage. You'll be fine. Oh, can't you just graze me? Oh no, that, you don't want to make it look like he gave up straight away. And River starts screaming cause she can sense the Reavers are coming. Um, which gives him enough chance to get everyone inside the vault to lock it from the inside to protect them from the Reavers. And that was Mal's instruction. Yeah. Get in the vault now. Yeah, he's still looking out for them, even though he's essentially stealing from these people. Well, All except the that bank, one... Not the people. But yeah. yeah. Even though he's... Um, the one guy who's supposed to be the hero is the one who tries to run and jump with them on the escape thing. But the mule won't take six people. It'll only work with five, which is why he... You know, again, against usually what we've seen up to that point of his character kicks the guy off reavers grab him and mal puts a bullet in him to make sure he doesn't suffer but before this mal would never have done that or at least that's how it feels because that's how desperate they've gotten by this point Uh, you're also introduced to well they're doing the exchange and again they've done this job for someone else they've got these two twins they're at a bar uh and he's forced and Simon's like, we're getting off the ship. And he's like, good. So that Simon and River are supposed to leave. They're at this bar doing the exchange of their portion, the portion of the uh, funds for the people who've done the job for. River comes in and gets triggered. And this amazing fight breaks out where she just whoops everyone in the bar. It's, uh, it is a, a great scene. Yeah. Um, and Mal manages to uh, uh, get hold of his gun before Simon says a, a key phrase to deactivate River. But in, in that time as well, Jane <laughs> gets his ass whooped by her as well. Um, and this is where she comes up with the memory, which is a thing that the operative is afraid of. She's got this word in her head, Miranda, which uh, they go to a, a new character, which I'm... For the, again for the film Mr. Universe played by that guy from Numbers as I well, always I know him from 10 Things I Heard About You you know he's got that scene and he goes I have a dick on my face don't I yeah. <laughs> he's that guy he is that guy he's also Bernard in the Santa Claus with Tim yeah, Allen oh my god he is yeah he why do up... I know so much about his work <laughs> he bobs up a lot but yeah um, he's this I guess in this day and age, you'd call him a hacktivist. Okay, I mean, you would, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy who, he all of the signals that go out, he collects and he kind of uses them to like sow dissent against the Alliance. And Mal, and Mal, using him, Mal discovers there was a trigger phrase in a, an advertisement and it's been all over the place. 
uh, but the ruckus in the bar is how the operative finds out about them. Realizing there's a problem, they go to Haven. Turns out Shepard has also left the ship in the time between Firefly and Serenity and started a, a community of people, which they from time to time use to lay low um, and gives Mal advice on, there's a guy who's going to be after you. You're not prepared for him. He's going to come at you sideways and set up a trap. And that trap is Inara. He goes to Inara to set up a meet, so, which Mal immediately reads as a trap, but goes anyway because he's an idiot. <laughs> oh, but yeah, he, he knew it was a trap, but he went to save her anyway. So I think it's less of him being an idiot. It's like, he, regardless, he was going to go and try and save her. Yeah, he was going to go save her. And also, when you get to the uh, the shootout at the whorehouse, as I called it, he has this line. He goes to meet the guy who is whose kid it is in the first place and goes... I need to look the guy in the face and uh, and read and take his measure before I decide my course of action. And it feels like this is the same thing of like uh, he sees that with the guy in that episode and realizes he's going to keep coming and he's going to feel good about it. So we should take all of the the working girls and just take him off planet, but they don't want to leave their home. I think that's the other reason he goes to see the operative. He really he has to see what it is he's up against, and. You know, they're having this relatively polite conversation uh, because the operative's so well-behaved, and he's emotionless. He goes, you can't make me angry. <laughs> uh, and Mal's like, he's like, I am unarmed. And Mal's like, great, and just shoots him. Yeah. I mean, again, I compared earlier Harrison Ford. Like, you're getting a Han Solo, Indiana Jones vibe from yeah, this character. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it is. But... He's, but you know, he wipes the floor with Mal and Inara. I mean, they get a few good licks. Yeah, I mean, hand-to-hand combat, but, you know, it's it's about the kill. It's about the takedown, and Mal got the upper hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Inara set up a flashbang incense thing, but that's what they got away with. Um, and then they're going, realizing how out of their element they are, they go to back to Haven, and it's been bombed. This is where you get your first death. This is Shepard. He's been fatally wounded uh, and explains this guy's all about belief. You need to find something to believe in. Um, and he goes, and it's not about God. You just need to have something to believe in. Uh, it turns out that anywhere they've ever been sheltered, anyone who's ever helped them from any job, this operative has hit all of them. Dispassionately, he's killed women and children. And he understands he's a monster. He's making this ideal world that he's been sold. And he understands he can't be a part of it, given the type of person he is. But that's how strongly he believes. That's the, the character arc for the operative. But in this, they river escapes because they did lock her up because she's clearly dangerous. She escapes uh, and shows Mal. She's remembered, finally what Miranda is. Turns out Miranda's the name of a planet where the Alliance tried something new to control people. They put a drug in the air processes to make them more docile, more cooperative, and less aggressive and prone to uprising. The pro- a problem is it worked too well. There's like 30 million people on this moon, or this planet, and people 
stopped arguing. They stopped. Eventually, they all literally laid laid down and died. Laid down and stopped living. Yeah. uh, But a very tiny percentage of them, it had the opposite effect. They got more aggressive and they are what became the Reavers. And it's because of the alliance this happened. There's a recording by Sarah Paulson. Mentioned her earlier. This is her big moment. Uh, while they're at... The, and this is where Mal has the idea to go there to, to solve this mystery. And desecrates his ship with the bodies of his own friends. And paints it blood in order to sneak past the Reavers. And we know how much the ship means to him. Yeah, exactly. This is how... This is how... At the end of his rope he is. Despite everyone's like talk of like you can't do this um now he has the 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 proof he needs to get it out there mr universe the perfect conduit for that he can get it literally on every screen but he knows he's not he's probably going to have some uh trouble so he runs from the reavers as he's there leaving miranda and the entire reaver fleet gives chase because that's their way as we find out during the season of the series. And this culminates in the, the, the climax of the film as they're coming to the operative. Who's like, this will be easy. Yeah. The, the entire Reva fleet pops up and it like decimates. They're, they're destroying each other in orbit while they go down to the planet to give the, the proof to Mr. Universe who's already been stabbed. But thankfully, his dying act was to program his robot with a message for Mal uh, to, on how his where weird the backup sex is. Robot. His there weird was some, slash wife. There was something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, this also in this sequence, we get the second and far more brutal death. Um, the ship's uh, damaged. Wash somehow manages to bring it down and crash in a very like sled-like fashion on the surface of the planet, and he's like, yes, leaf on the wind, immediately murdered. Yes, I know, I know. And it is gut-wrenching. Tragic. <laughs> it comes out of left field, just so not prepared for it. Um, uh, Zoe is, like, hurt, and then Mal has to pull her out because they're, they're sh- the Ra- Reavers are shooting big, giant metal spikes through the cockpit. They escape and realize there's a bottleneck position to make their last stand. And that's where the rest of the crew are like, where's Wash? And Zoe's like, he ain't coming. And that hit me worse than actually watching him die was watching her coldness of of dealing with it and everyone else's response. It's like, oh, gut-wrenching. Mal goes down. There's this weird... (laughs) To get... To the uh, the core to in order to, to upload the the message is he's kind of got climbed through chains and stuff which is kind of ridiculous even he's like a little difficult to get to <laughs> uh, but the operative has also managed to make his way down there because the robot was the sex bot was motion activated he also gets the message and um tackles Mal and they start their big battle whilst the crew are holding off the reavers up top. Um, and one by one, they all take injuries. They need to seal the door because it's not sealing properly. And this is where we finally get River's big moment, River Unleashed against the Reavers to, to save her brother and the rest of the crew. And that is pretty cool. And you just hear it. Yeah. And the door opens, and there she is. 
yeah, unharmed, covered in blood, yeah. with all the dead reavers around her. Um, Mal, he does a really good job against the operative uh, in hand to hand. He's he believes in something now. He believes absolutely this message has to get out because if he if they don't get it out sooner or later, he knows the alliance are likely to try again and have something worse happen, or at least the, uh, the same thing, which is the, the worst thing that could happen. And although it's he's doing well, the operative's got better, still a better hand-to-hand fighter, and uses his little disabling trick on Mal. And Mal sells it until uh, he goes to kill him, and then Mal hits him in the throat. He's not prepared for it because he thinks Mal's disabled. Then dislocates both his arms at once. Again, showing how proficient Mal is and makes him watch while Mal sends the message out uh, and explains he was in the war. He doesn't have that nerve cluster anymore. He took shrapnel in his back. Yeah, it was damaged. Therefore, his specialty didn't have an impact on him. Yeah, uh, and that's how they do it. The rest of the crew managed to survive. Mal gets his message out. They... And the movie ends with them having just rebuilt the f- Serenity uh, and what's left of the crew taken off. Um, oh, new, shiny Serenity. Yeah. Off it goes. And that's the last we see of the crew in live action. Yeah. We get the comics. I think there's some sort of mobile game or there's an online game. Yeah, that they tried, um, which I thought would be make a bigger impact. So it mustn't be very good if I yeah, haven't I heard people raving about it. I think it might even still be still be going, but the that's it. You know, so we got what was it, thirteen? Yeah, fourteen, four, 14 episodes, episodes of the movie. Fifteen, if you count Serenity as part one and part two, uh, and and the film. Yeah, which given how phenomenal this show is, it really does feel like we missed out on something even better. It continued to show so much potential and for it to just stop there. I mean, at least we do get it continuing in comic form thanks yeah. to Boom Studios. But this is it. This is where it ends. Now, we we are talking about Firefly and Serenity. So I guess when we're going to rate this as a series, we have to include Serenity as well. Yeah. So what is your rating overall out of five? I am going to give it five out of five. That is high. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Obviously, something from early 2000s, the visuals have dated. Uh, but where it's dated, I don't think it's dated to the point where it's a negative because you don't see that many shots of things in space. So those special effects, as dated as they are, they're not too bad. I mean, they're like PlayStation 1 level graphics. Oh, <laughs> no, they're better than that. They're slightly better than that. They're slightly better than that. Maybe PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But but the characters are so well written. The episodes are so well written and so well acted. Um, And the movie... The movie's really well done. I mean, it does feel like a culmination in what they they should have taken a few years to get to in the show. But I I love everyone on this. Every actor, every every character. It's hard to pick a favourite out of the bunch. A favorite character? Yeah. Well, for me, it's Mal. Like, he just, like, you know, we're both yeah. rated him five yeah. out of five, but then you've rated the whole thing five out of five. For me, it comes in at a, a very solid four. Like, some of the episodes don't hit as well as some of the better episodes. 
So it's not quite a five, but it's the characters, the actors that bring the characters to life that really makes this. Like Joss Whedon's voice is heard throughout this series and the movie, and it's good Whedon. It's not Justice League. It's it's the good stuff. Yeah. I just had so much fun watching it all those years ago and watching it again for this podcast. It is, uh, it's just so much fun. It is. And it really is a Western in space, which is what Star Trek was always supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it was supposed to, yeah. Which, and since I've rewatched it, I fell in love with it all over again. As for last, this last week, I've been sh- like telling everyone, oh, you should totally watch Firefly. I've watched it. You should watch it again. It's that great. It's, it, ironically, it being cut short as it was, may make it even better because it didn't have time to slip for the people to come complacent and it, it, there's a bit of mystique around it now of that oh, what we could have had and sometimes in this instance less is more yeah i mean you're right it could have lost its way down the track and um, but it's it's a good series yeah and, it, and it's a great movie that again it really delivered on the promise of the tv series yeah absolutely So that's it for our episode all about Firefly. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Our next episode will be all about the real Ghostbusters. I've been wanting to do that one for a long time, and my That Film Shoe co-host Jason has agreed to be my (laughs) co-host. Awesome. If you missed it, check out what Adam and Jay thought about The Punisher Season 2. Also, that film you have a recent review for Captain Marvel and an upcoming review for Shazam, the other Captain Marvel. <laughs> Rewind and review of a recent episode all about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And in fact, they've got an upcoming episode. Yeah, after that one, they're going to be doing 10 Things Eight About You, which, of course, we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Jay, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.